Welcome to the Goalie Hacks podcast, the show dedicated to providing elite tips, hacks, and strategies to take your game to the next level, where we help you become an elite goaltender, one hack at a time. And now, here's your host, Mike Santaguida. Bang, bang. What is up, everybody? And welcome back to the Goalie Hacks podcast. I'm your host, Mike Santaguida, and thanks again for tuning into the show. Shout out to my newest patron, hacktivist this week, Cam Smith. Hailing from Stouffville, Ontario. Cam was drafted by the London Knights last year. He's an incredible goaltender and has been a part of my community almost literally since day one. I think when him and I started chatting, I had maybe like 100 follows on Instagram. So thank you for your support, Cam, since day one. And I couldn't be happier to add you to my inner circle. If you're interested in working much closer with me side by side with an active professional goaltender and to catapult your development, you know, for just a few bucks a month, you can become a member of my inner circle and join my mentorship program where I offer a slew of extra perks to my community members. Either hit me up directly or head to my page at patreon.com slash goalie hacks, including the show notes. For more details on how to get started, this week on the show, I have the privilege of being joined by three-time ECAC champion, one of college hockey's best, Cornell University's associate head coach, Ben Sire. Now, if you guys have listened to my story on the first pod, I mentioned Coach Sire's name, and he played a monumental role in guiding me over the years toward getting a Division I offer. We discuss how we met his thought process behind guiding me over the years, what it takes to play Division I college hockey, and how to stand out and get more exposure by Division I schools. This upcoming week, I will be releasing a completely free 14-plus page ebook to my email list only. So it will discuss a major pillar that can help you transition easier to higher levels, what it means, and how to use it to your advantage. And it's a staple pillar of mine that's helped me transition to the next level much easier over the last 11 years trying to move up in the hockey world. So head to my website at goaliehacks.com to sign up for my mailing list to make sure you don't miss this release this week. Shout out to our main sponsor, Neurotracker. And if you guys are looking for more info on the experience people are having, head to my Instagram page and check out the Neurotracker story highlights and see for yourself what people are saying. Feedback has been awesome. If you're interested in getting started or want more details, whether you're a player or coach, younger or older, definitely send me a direct message on Instagram today after this episode to get the full details on what exactly we've been doing and how you can get started. To kick off our sponsorship, we are giving away a free subscription for the new NTX product not available to the public yet, so stick around to the end of the show to get details on how to enter into the weekly giveaway. Without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. I know you guys are going to love the chat Coach Sire and I had today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Goalie Hacks podcast. Today on the show, I have the pleasure of being joined by an old friend and someone who guided me in the right direction and played a huge role in a lot of my decisions over the years trying to get to college hockey, the associate head coach of Cornell University, Ben Sire. Coach Sire has been coaching at the Division I level for 20-plus years now and has won the ECAC League Championship three years in a row now with Cornell University. For the people that don't know, Coach Sire had a very strong hand in recruiting a lot of those players, if not all of them, that were a part of the national championship bid in 2013 against Yale as well. He's the reason I ended up going the college route uh, and the route I did over the years, and I couldn't be happier to have him on today to chat. Ben, how you doing, Coach? Super glad to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, Mike. It's uh, it's 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 great to be here, and uh, it should be a lot of fun. Yeah. It's a, it's incredible to 
finally connect. You, you've had such an enormous impact on my journey and, and my career. And I can't thank you enough for, you know, everything you did for me over those years while I was trying to play Division One hockey. Uh, I don't think we've actually ever talked on the phone, to be honest. I think we've yeah. only exchanged emails, if I'm correct. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. And and then obviously with some of the different tours that uh, had occurred and, 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 and so forth there. And, and uh, um, it, 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 it's interesting because sometimes you really don't know how those emails uh, are, are perceived on, on the other end. And um, <laughs> you, you certainly want to provide helpful and useful information because uh, I, I know with yourself, your your journey was different than most from the area that you grew up, and you just want yeah. to be able to provide insight and a little bit of guidance to to hopefully help people along. Yeah, yeah, and the, and those that don't know, uh, if you actually listen back to my first episode of the show, I name drop Coach Sire and talk about how he was my go to person for assessing career decisions and sort of you know deciding where I should go. He guided me and gave me advice to go the prep school route. And he guided me and told me to try out in the USHL and then to go to the BCHL. So it was just crazy how, you know, everything really ended up panning out and, and just you helping me in the decision-making process when me and my family, like you alluded to, you know, it's not the, a very common route where we're from. And you're from Kitchener as well in Ontario, so I'm sure you can imagine. But, you know, we're, we're really clueless on what we should do. So, um, like I said before, I can't thank you enough for what you did for me. And, and hopefully today we can share some of those stories and, you know, shed some light on the recruiting process all the way up to college hockey and even beyond. Well, that's great. I I'm certainly looking forward to it. And, uh, as I said, I, I'm certainly glad it all worked out for you and that, uh, you had a great, uh, great experience at, uh, at Vermont and, and, uh, certainly even embracing, uh, the journey to, to get to that point as well. Yeah, it was definitely interesting, and we'll dive into it today. Um, we got a lot of awesome stuff to go over, but maybe you can just start off by giving our listeners a quick background on yourself, you know, where your hockey journey started and how we got to where we are today. Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, as, as you alluded to, I grew up uh, uh, in in, uh, in Kitchener, actually uh, started in even a, a, a smaller town, uh, Mary Hill, just outside of Kitchener before I, I, I moved to Kitchener. But did all my uh, minor hockey uh, uh, playing in the, in the Kitchener area, um, and uh, I certainly had a lot of great uh, mentors and, and influences um, while I was uh, was there. Um, I was always just a hard working type player, and to be honest with you, a lot of my mentors or, or people that were influenced me um weren't just coaches but they were teachers as well too and and uh, mm -hmm. um, I, I go back to those uh people and those experiences a lot of times um in fact both my parents were teachers as well too and and uh um it was like many um as you were going up as i mentioned it's kind of a uh just a hard-working player and and um was kind of looking at some of the different options and and to be honest, I just thought I'd be a teacher. Uh, I didn't think mm -hmm. you know, staying in hockey would necessarily, um, you know, be my option. Um, and uh, I went to the University of Western Ontario. I continued to play uh, uh, junior hockey while I was uh, was there um, and tore yes. my ACL uh, oh. during my time there. And, and uh, um, really started looking at at, at career paths and, and uh, was yeah. fortunate to meet uh, um, uh, uh, another student in, in one of my classes and, and got me geared up to uh, take a, a, a master's program 
um, in, in the States and, and, uh, it, without boring people here, I ended up, uh, um, <laughs> uh, uh, going to, uh, uh, really the director of, uh, Kitchener minor hockey, Tony Martindale had graduated from Ohio university and he was not only uh, the director of minor hockey, but a friend of the family as well too. And, yeah. um, helped me get down there and, and, uh, really got an opportunity to, um, experience, uh, a, a, a master's program, uh, studying not just hockey, but sport and, and, uh, um, career in sport, um, for a year down in Athens, Ohio. And, and, uh, um, that's, I think where, where some of my interest started to wane from just being a teacher and, and, uh, ended up meeting my wife, uh, at OU. Um, nice. so that, uh, was a little bit of a dry, I guess, to, to kind of stay, uh, in, in, in the States for a while. Yeah. Um, but, um, uh, from there moved out to, uh, uh, Quinnipiac University and, and, uh, they were just kind of getting up and running as a division one program. And so I was fortunate, uh, I was hired, um, really with, with, uh, not a lot of money. Uh, it was kind of a, yeah. a, a leap of faith by, uh, by coach Pecknell to hire me. He just wanted a young guy that would run around and recruit. And I loved it <laughs> and enjoyed it and, uh, really got an opportunity to probably see more Canada and the U S and I would have, um, had I stayed in Ontario and, yeah. uh, uh, you know, from there I spent a, a number of years, uh, I think it was 12 years that I sp- stayed at, uh, at Quinnipiac and, uh, then, uh, now have moved on to, uh, to Cornell. Um, and I've been here for, for, for nine years and, uh, our family's well established here in the Ithaca community. My wife works on, uh, on uh, campus here as well too. And, and, uh, so it's, uh, it's certainly a unique journey for sure. Yeah. Yeah. How come you uh, decided to make that jump to Quinnipiac? It's crazy, actually, looking back, because I talked to Coach Wallach. I had him on the show. Yeah. You guys sort of jump-started that program a little bit early on in, back in 2002, 2003, right? Well, if you even go back further, uh, Coach Wallach and I didn't know each other from a hole in the wall. So we were hired roughly at the same time. Uh, yeah. He's from uh, uh, the Hartford area in, in, in Connecticut. We ended up being roommates. Um, and the first year we were together was 99, 2000. And, uh, <laughs> we, yeah, yeah. We, we ended up spending, uh, five years together. So three, three years we worked together at, um, at Quinnipiac and then he, uh, he moved on, uh, to Yukon, but we still lived together. He commuted from, uh, oh, no uh way. yeah. So we lived together for five years. Um, uh, our wives became very good friends. Um, and, uh, it, it, so Kyle and I are, are, are still excellent friends to, to this yeah. day. Um, and uh, it, it's funny because we were from two different areas. Uh, we kind of got thrown in each, uh, uh, into an office together. And, and trust me, the office that we shared was probably the size of a broom closet. It wasn't very big at the time. <laughs> um, we had one computer and one phone to share, um, but on two desks. So somebody could wow. use a computer and somebody could use the phone. And, uh, but it was a lot of fun. I, 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 uh, I learned a ton from, uh, from Kyle, um, and, uh, still do. Uh, and, uh, um, it, it was certainly unique to be at the ground level at, at, at Quinnipiac at that time. Yeah. Were you, they, when did they build all those new facilities? I'm sure things got a little bit prettier a little later in your tenure there. Yeah, it, it, uh, the rink itself was, um, was finalized um, or open for play, 
uh, in 2007. Um, so it was, uh, I think I was there for about four years of the new, new facility. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was in the plans and in the works for quite some time. And, um, uh, it, it just it finally materialized probably about yeah. seven or eight years after, uh, I, I had been there. Yeah. So maybe we can talk a bit, you know, about your journey, um, leading up to me when I was 16 and yeah. maybe, maybe sort of take our listeners through how exactly I came across your radar and maybe what your first impressions were and, and why you decided to reach out to me. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I always tell the story of, of that, 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 that the hockey world itself is, is, is much smaller. I, you hear the, the world, the small, I think the hockey world's even, even smaller. And, sure. and, um, I agree. Um, it, and so I, I've always lived on that premise. And, and the reason being is that if you see something in a younger player, that's, that's in, intriguing, um, it might even be with your, your own eyes, uh, it might be getting uh, information from somebody else that, that that you trust, and for me, it was a little bit of a combination of of both for 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 yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's a matter of kind of tracking and seeing where that 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 progression goes. And um, you never, especially at the goaltending position, um, when there's so few spots, is you never know when. For sure, you're going to need a goaltender. You never know what type of goaltender you're going to need or what the fit may be, and and yeah. so um, you want to do all all your your homework and and uh, have all your ducks in order so that you're you're ready to to be able to to jump or to uh, you you know um, recruit and and bring in the goaltender that you feel is suitable for your program at at, at any given time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it goes back to having that influence by your own eyes, seeing what you see. Is it competitive? It does he have hockey sense, much like a, a normal player? But then also some of the the influences or, or dialogue that you have with people that would be close to the player or know the player well, but that you also trust as as a recruiter. Mm-hmm. And then regarding the little tournament, you know, where we first met um, as a coach. You know, how come you attended something like that at the time? And maybe you can sort of, you know, put into perspective of, hey, it doesn't matter where you're from. You sort of need to go play in front of scouts. You need that right exposure. Yeah. You know, I've always had the mindset of good things happen when when you're in a rink. And I think of all the quality players that I've recruited over the years sometimes it's it's just getting a tip in the rink and then going seeing the player you know it's not always just seeing the player initially and so um i've, I've made it a habit over over the years um by a, trying to be in rinks um so that i can garner and gather as much information as as, as i possibly can and what i mean by information is watching players listening to people talk about um uh, you know, particular individuals and particular players. Um, so I've always thought that that's uh, um, very important. Um, doesn't matter what the tournament or the camp is. I think there's always value in, in being at the rink um, for a variety of reasons, as I just alluded to. Yeah. And so as a young guy, you know, like I was only 16 at the time and I haven't even, I, that it actually crazy how it all turned out. Like when you and I started chatting, but I hadn't even started playing junior yet. 
um, until that upcoming fall season. And we met in the summer. You know, what are some things that you look for in young players um, that you think will eventually translate to junior and college hockey? So I think, it, it, you know, when you when you talk kind of about, say, your your path and being young is, I think there's two ways to look at it. I think there's, there's, there's um, the development of the actual hockey piece, but then the, and that's the hockey sense, the skill package, um, you know, the spirit, the competitiveness, those types of things. But then the second part of it is, this is where I think it's truly important, especially for young players, is we're not all first round players. You know, we're not all going first overall. We're not all going in the first round. Are you willing to embrace you know, the, the, the journey, like endure the grind and embrace the journey. And not everybody is. And so I, I look at, you know, somebody like yourself is you, you made a decision to go to a prep school when most people, uh, probably 90% of the people that would have been in your shoes would have gone to play junior hockey, but it prolonged your process to eventually get to Vermont to give you some different experience, but also give you some time to develop as a, as a player um, as, as well. And, and that's what I think is very important because so many people are, are quick to um, try to get to the next step to get to the next stage. Um, I find it's even more enhanced now with the Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, you know, people want their, their 12 hours, their kind of their, their day in the sun to be able to tweet out that I'm going to here or, or, you know, I've committed to here and, and that's, that's fine. Um, however, you know, the reality of it is, is, you know, to have great success and, 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 and sustained su- success might be a better way to put it is mm-hmm. that um, you have to put time on, on, on your side. Cause there is no quick fix because there's very few guys that are first rounders or first overall type picks. Most players um, and people in the hockey world, even coaches have to endure, you know, that, that grind and kind of embrace the journey. And it takes a little while to get to what you want um, over the course of time. Yeah. And for you, you know, you talk about the process, you talk about the journey um, and what are some things exactly that maybe, you know, that stick out to you in your sort of long-term evaluations where you're looking like, Hey, this kid's moving in the right direction because he's doing this or this, what are some of those things for you? Yeah. So, so I think there's, there's a couple things. I I put a lot of emphasis on the quality of a person. Um, And and to me that comes in, in, in two forms. One is, are they willing to improve and are they getting better? You know, is there, is there signs of that? Like as they jump, um, as they jump from, from level to level, are they improving? Are they showing that they compete and that they have an ability to, to, to dominate or, or, you know, to be a real influence or a real factor in the game that, yeah. that, that they play. But the, the other piece of it is that what do people speak about them that are close to them, meaning their coaches, maybe their teammates, maybe it might be a trainer. Um, you know, what, what is it that really makes it, it makes a difference. And, and, uh, I know there's a lot of great recruiters out there, a lot of great scouts um, and, and coaches that bring players in and, and uh, they do their homework. And, and I just, I found over the course of time that 
special kids get talked about different. It's not rehearsed. It's not, um, it's not staged. It, if there's a genuine connection um, with that player or, or, or seeing a player that has a willingness to improve, as I mentioned, endure that grind um, mm-hmm. and really want to get better at all costs with, with keeping, you know, the framework and, 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 and the character of, of, of team first mentality and improving yeah. the group as a whole that starts to really show itself over the course of time. And, and I've tried to stay true to that um, when watching players and, and it's not just watching, but learning about the player at the same time and the person. Yeah. 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 You kind of, it's like, uh, they, like you said, they control the game and they make the players better around them. I think at the end of the day, right? Absolutely. I think that's a, a, a huge, huge piece of it. And you can see that from body language of those around them, um, do they have confidence in in that particular player, and and uh, are they making them better at, at at the same time? Yeah. So as the year progressed, you know, we kept chatting here and there, and and things were going well for me around early winter, um, and I finally got my first junior start in like late November, December, um, and eventually went on to play plenty more games in junior and top of my midget games. But I always hear guys say, yeah, I was I was talking to this coach and so and so. And then after a while, they just stopped talking to me. You know, what exactly are you looking for in young goaltenders as the season progresses? You've already, you know, sort of gotten started conversation with and what are sort of the grounds where you terminate contact with somebody that's in the mix? So I think, you know, obviously, if, if you're feeling the position if you know if you've filled the position with somebody else obviously um you know that's that's going to end end calls um however yeah you know, sure. in ter- terms of you know continuing to discuss it's it's some of those things that we just touched on is is that goaltender um showing an ability to put his team in a spot to win night in yeah. and night out and some mm-hmm. nights it, it'll be, I, I always say this, like we have one with us right now, Macalida, and, yeah. and Maddie can win a game one nothing, but Maddie can also win a game five, four. And, yeah. and, you know, we all, especially goaltenders, we don't always have our best nights, but are we competitive enough? Or are they competitive enough to win the game and understand the importance of, being able to win the game, whatever the score may may be, and, and uh, playing good even on a playing good even on a bad night, finding ways to win even on a bad night. Absolutely, absolutely. Like, you know, I'm sure you, you've had a couple nights where you might have given up two or three before the pucks really dropped. And, Ooh, this <laughs> yeah. is a tough one. But w- what's your team looking for right now? Like it might be three nothing after five minutes, but you know what? There's still 55 minutes left in the game. If yeah. you buckle down you know, your team's still going to have an opportunity to, to, to come back if you buckle down and start to find yourself and, 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 and settle in. And, and so that's where, as the, as the year goes along, it's, I don't think it's any different than any other player. You have an ability to start to, to really show um, an ability to influence a game, um, to be competitive when it really, um, the games start to become more intense and, and it's in playoffs and there's more at, at stake. Do you have that ability to really be dialed in and, and provide your, your team 
with an opportunity to to uh, to win. Yeah, I think everybody sort of gets the consistency thing wrong. It's like, okay, your coaches know you're going to sort of have a bad night. Um, but that leads right into consistency. It's like, hey, you know, you're good 60, 70 nights. You're pretty lights out. But that 30%, you know, are you battling through those bad nights? Are you giving up seven in a bad night or are you giving up five? You know, and those two goals have a dramatic impact on, one, the results of your team, and two, your numbers as a goalie, right? Uh- Absolutely. And I think, I mean, obviously numbers are are important. Uh, I don't want to dismiss that, but I think certainly at the goaltending position is no different than a defenseman or a forward is your hockey sense, your, your ability, like you, you, you might give up two or three on a given night because it's the, the other team's good, you know, and, and, and they pick you apart. But are yeah. you have an ability to, to keep your team in a game and make a crucial save because you have an ability to track the puck and you don't get distracted. Like you continue to stay with, yeah. with, with your, your process and you alluded to the consistency, but you have that ability to continue to, to, to stay focused. And, and, and uh, um, uh, I, I think that's a huge piece of it. Um, for, for a goaltender. Cause I, I've seen great goaltenders in the recruiting um, process, give up four or five and I still walk away and I'm like, they're good, you know, but they yeah. also have a good evaluation of themselves after the game is that, Hey, I need to be better. I need to make a few more saves yeah. um, because I think it's just as important too. If you're up five, nothing, uh, you're winning five, nothing. And, and you, you know, all of a sudden take the gas off and you don't follow your process and it becomes five, two or five, three, you've given a little bit of life to the other team. Um, you might see them later on, you know, down the line in the playoffs or if yeah. you're in the playoffs, you're giving them a little bit of hope. Um, I think that's the same as, is having one of those, those, those tough nights. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. You're alluding to, uh, what I refer to as like a system and, and, you know, as goalies, we all develop sort of systems that, you know, when we give up a goal or like a sort of mental repetition with anchoring techniques to be able to focus. And then I think when you go up, um, when you go up levels, the pressure gets on more and more and you're still going to have those bad nights. Right. So it's your ability to sort of stick to your process, whether you're up five rip or you're down five rip. Um, if, if, which is exactly what you're alluding to. So, um, you know, toward the end of that season, I had contacted you again and I had several options. I could either play junior locally in Ontario in the OJHL, you know, and I said I would be with my goalie coaches and all my resources. And I worded it exactly like that. Or I could go to prep school and leave. And I asked you what I should do. And you told me to go the prep route. And I didn't even blink an eye. I was like, mom, dad, Ben Cyrus had to go to prep school. I'm going to prep school. So, um, and I got a lot of flack for that from, from all my friends, my teammates, coaches locally. And they all told me I was, they all told me I was stupid and that I was throwing away a huge opportunity to play junior in Ontario and that I could get a scholarship here. And, you know, maybe you could just guide us through what your thought process was like when you're making that rec- recommendation for me and why you decided to tell me to go the prep route. Yeah. So it goes back to what I said before is you want to put time on your side. Yeah. And, you know, you know, if you go to yourself, I mean, you know, you're a little bit vertically challenged, right? Like you're not, the <laughs> player, right. 
And, and so you want to, no you, yeah, yeah. So you want to, you want to, Hey, are, are you going to grow a little bit more? You want to put that, uh, uh, you know, give yourself an opportunity to grow. Yeah. And then if you don't grow to the size of, of a, you know, a more prototypical size goaltender, yeah. now you're going to give yourself an opportunity to be able to compete and, and show your hockey sense and, and, and your abilities at, at, at a, at a different level, um, as you, and then continue to keep moving up to, to, to yeah. people. Baby stepping uh, your way. Right. Right. Because at that same time, you're going to get stronger as you get older, you're going to get stronger. So you might not grow, but you're going to get stronger. So when you get yeah. stronger, your pushes are going to be quicker. Um, and, and, and a lot of times, you know, players will want to jump just to kind of get the jacket you know, of, of, yeah, exactly. But look cool with all their friends, right? Exactly. But, but really it goes back to, I probably overuse the term process, but everybody has a slightly different process, a slightly different journey. And I've seen the best players over the course of my time put time on their side. The more you can always put things a little bit and fast forward, but you can never, you can never go back. And, and what yeah. I mean by that is by you going to prep school, you, you know, you were going to play against guys that were slightly younger than, than the junior age. You yeah. were likely going to get more opportunity and starts. Yeah. Um, your, your, your size wasn't going to play in, but you were going to be able to get an opportunity to work out and, and, and improve your strength that as a smaller yeah. goaltender, was going to eventually help you down, down the line because you had hockey sense and you had an ability to, you know, to, to compete. And so, um, you know, I thought that that's where, you know, you would, you would have an, you know, an advantage, um, you know, and, and the other piece is, is, you know, it, you're exposed, you, you had a commitment to, to wanting to play college hockey and, and, you know, as a good student, um, you know, you were going to go to New England and, and be around and, and showcase yourself in front of not only great division one schools, but also great division three schools. And you could start to then, you, you know, find what, what, what was important to you because for every, every guy that was like yourself that wanted and was going to live and, and die until they had an opportunity to play D one, there's other guys that might not have had that same drive but they would have got exposed to uh, you know some great division three programs that might have provided them with great opportunity in life because of hockey i mean they were great students but hockey was able to get this to to some of these schools and it just it, it guides you in a different way and presents different different opportunities for you and so that was um kind of my mindset in suggesting and you know, mm -hmm. I, I knew the coaches at your prep school and, and thought yeah. very highly of them um, and, uh, you know, thought they were great guys and, and, and had a um, uh, they, they cared about you and were, were concerned about your development and, and your progress. Yeah. And obviously that was 10 years ago now. And, and, you know, have times changed at all? Would you still make that same recommendation for me today as you did then? I would. Um I, I still think I, I, I believe firmer that time is is always has to be on your on your side. And this isn't a conversation about going to prep school versus going to the OJ. I, I think very highly of the OJ. That's not 
yeah. it, it, but it's it's giving opportunity and 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 slowing the process for you as a as an individual because when you're done prep school you could still always go back to the OJ but you would also then be right. exposed to those other schools and other opportunities that I just discussed um, being in in New England for for a year. Yeah. And you think it's important to go play in markets where there's, you know, I guess, because the, re- the reason I really was like, man, like, I want to play in Hockey East. I want to play in the East Coast. I'm right in the back door there. Um, so do you think it's important to maybe go into to markets that, you know, because people would argue like, hey, the hockey's better in Toronto, right? And you're sort of from here. And maybe that's just like a bias because everybody's from here. But at the same time, you see guys that were committing from like the EJHL into D1 programs. And it was just because they were in the backyard of all those schools, right? Yes, but I, I think... I think I think you alluded to being a biased. I think there is a bias. I think like the the real good recruiters and the real good scouts really spend a lot of time getting to know the player and evaluating the player, irregardless of where they play, whether they're playing in Toronto, whether they're playing on the East Coast, and and evaluating them for how they fit into their their particular program, um, and and so I think it's it's. And I've made a few mistakes recruiting over over my time, just taking a player from a particular league, thinking because that player is coming from that league that they're going to be better. And that's not always the case. Um, it's it's taking the right player that fits your your program. So I do think there's some validity in exposing, like go, but you know, in your case, by going to New England, you expose yourself not just to hockey east, but you expose yourself to the ECAC. You expose yourself to some yeah, Division yeah. three schools as well, too. And I know that wasn't your goal, but you're exposing yourself to you know those Division three schools aren't going to get to Toronto the same the same way. Okay. Yeah. Um, even for that matter, some some hockey schools probably aren't going to get to Toronto, or ECAC schools aren't going to get to Toronto the same as, as, as others, but it's not really necessarily a reflection of the quality of, of, of hockey. It's just a, um, you know, a different exposure, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And we'll, we'll get into a bit of that more into this next question, but fast forward a bit, you know, um, I have a couple good years at Avon. I think we stayed in touch a little bit then. Uh, but at that point you had, become more of a guide for me. And I'm sure it was a bit because of my size that, that held um, a lot of people back, you know, moving forward on me. But um, when I had finished prep school, I once again, you know, had several options to play junior and I came to you and I asked you again, I said, should I go back to Ontario? Uh, Should I go play in the USHL or or in the BCHL in British Columbia and Canada? And you sort of laid it out for me. You said USHL's first priority, then BCHL, then the Ontario league. Um, and as a coach at the next level, uh, and you talked about it a bit in the last question, but you know, why did you categorize those leagues like that? And, and do the leagues you play in matter when being considered for a division one offer? So a little bit, the, the meaning the leagues do matter a little bit. Um, and why I would have categorized those in, in, in the way that I did for you is you look at the number of scholarships or players that go on to play division one hockey from those those leagues and in yeah. order ushl bc and the oj that's the most in the ushl then followed by the bc and then the oj that's yeah that's the list Correct. that that it would be 
the other part of it is though it's not as simple as that i i i guess i'm a this is probably a little bit from my personal standpoint is i think if you're willing to go and challenge yourself in the ushl because there's no guarantees there even though they're recruiting you and and suggesting there's options there's there's a lot of things that happen throughout the year that um you might not be able to stay there there might be import rules uh you know or impacts that that that, that come down but if you have a willingness you know to get out of your comfort zone and go to to the ushl or go to bc i think that that shows a little bit of fortitude and 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 drive um by by the individual um and it, it sounds like it's an ontario guy here being biased against ontario it's not we you look at our roster right now we have a ton of guys that 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 are from ontario and have have, yeah. have played in ontario so it it isn't that at all but i also think that there's you know when you're willing to kind of get out of your own comfort zone um and and go somewhere else it's it's a focus and a drive to be a hockey player and 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 obviously there's there's the academic piece to it but when you're mm-hmm. finished prep school now you're and, and and you're done high school is now it's really hey i'm going to focus in on on doing everything i can to be the best player i can to create opportunities for for myself and and sometimes that means having a little extra drive getting outside your comfort zone and going to a place that that, that isn't as comfortable and 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 being forced to really go win and earn a earn a spot mm-hmm. yeah i guess maybe uh i think maybe you've developed that in in me a little bias toward ontario <laughs> which is funny because we're both from here right but um uh but i listened to you right and i and i went and tried out in the ushl i made main camp i actually got cut from my first one in lincoln and uh you know, they, I didn't even realize they already had both their guys picked pretty much. Um, but that's where Kyle Wallach actually saw me when I made the main camp and I went to fall classic. And then when I got cut from there, as per your recommendation, I went to the BCHL and ended up with Sir Eagles. And, uh, my first game there is where, uh, where Wallach from, from UVM saw me, ended up committing there by Christmas, but maybe you can dive a bit into, you know, what I would refer to as the bubble theory, and being a bubble guy at sort of the highest levels. Um, and I think we need to be need to be more willing to embrace uncertainty, right? Put ourselves out there, strive for the highest leagues possible, like you alluded to, getting uncomfortable. But maybe you can dive deeper into how being a bubble guy at higher levels actually creates worth for you and gives you value and, and helps you build reputation, make you look good versus just starting in junior C and trying to work your way up. Mm-hmm. Well, I think... I, I think it goes back to a, a drive um, to, to fight through adversity because I don't care how good you are um, as a player. When you come into a college or when you make a jump for that matter from prep school to junior, that next jump during that year, you're going to face some degree of adversity. Um, whether it's you don't play as much, maybe um you're battling the pace. It, it's quicker than you expected. Um, maybe you get injured. Um, maybe in some cases, guys get a little bit homesick because they're out of their comfort zone. But there's going to be a little bit of adversity, or in some cases, a great deal of, of adversity. Yeah. And when you showing that you have an ability to adapt and and then rise to the top and, and, and to have influence, like we had talked earlier in the conversation, and influence that team, 
now you've taken kind of a negative, maybe being released from a USHL program, but then finding a second opportunity with a new team and, and then seizing that and not just, Hey, I got a Jersey to wear, but I'm going to now wear this Jersey and I'm going to make this team better. I'm going to help them win it at all costs. That, that that's a quality that's extremely difficult to find, but it's that type of quality that, that creates competitiveness and, and, yeah. and, and a desire to win. And, and certainly for, for me, as you reference a bubble guy, if, if you face a little bit of adversity and I call it getting kicked in the teeth, if you get kicked in the <laughs> teeth, you know, you can kind of find a way to, to rise back up and, and keep fighting and be productive. You know, that's uh, to me, that's an enduring quality. Yeah, no, for sure. It's uh, it builds character, right? Getting kicked in the teeth a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I think once I committed to Vermont, that was sort of where you and I had, had cut ties a bit. I think one, yeah. because it would be considered tampering, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you had also helped me achieve, you know, what I had been looking for. And, um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I'm just eternally grateful, honestly, for the guidance you gave me and, and even going to prep school, I, I believe changed the entire trajectory of my life, not just hockey, um, it was the most amazing experience ever to to have an opportunity to play in a program like that. Um, you know, have that quality of schooling. I really started to take my school seriously, you know, experience that lifestyle and it matured me and it really put me on a road to become a division one goaltender. And then when I got to school, it just, everything was hard, obviously, but much more routine because I had already gone through that. And it allowed me to get a really good degree at the university of Vermont, the business school studying finance. But um, maybe we can dive into some of your work at the next level. And as I mentioned earlier, I had a pretty good hand in recruiting some, uh, a, a significant amount of the players, uh, from that Quinnipiac team that ended up going to the national championship division one NCAA final. Maybe you can touch briefly on what it really takes to be considered for the division one level and who are the guys you're typically sort of going out and looking for? It's, is, is it just the guys standing out or the guys that really take charge of their game and make those guys better around them? Yeah. Hey, just before I answer that, I, I, I know we didn't talk as much, but Wally and KP kept me updated on how things were going at UVM. So I'm still checking in on you just from afar. You didn't. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. I didn't yeah. know that. They never told me. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, in terms <laughs> of, uh, you know, what we're looking for is, is I really think that there's, there's two things that are non-negotiable um, in a player and I, I, whether it's a goaltender, whether it's a defenseman or forward is, you know, your hockey sensibility to understand the game and, and, uh, um, you know, for goaltenders, you know, are they controlling their rebounds or where is the next play going to be made, you know, help you with your anticipation. Mm -hmm. Um, the second piece of that would be your, your spirit. And, and that to me, entices your character uh, but your competitiveness as well and and really that drive and we've, we've touched on a few different times is in adversity do you rise or do you sink and those are two things for me that are you know extremely extremely important and then the the, the other piece that i would would say is um you know the wow factor is is you know what is it that you do as a player um 
that consistently makes me as a scout or a recruiter look at you so that when I leave the rink that I know who played in that or I know who ran the power play or who yeah. played against the other team's top group on a regular basis and won all the faceoffs. Like it could vary from from position to position and what your skill package may or may not be. However, it, it, it did you catch my attention? Did you make me get out of my chair because I'm like, I need to go down and speak to that player. I need to find out who that is and does he fit, you know, at, at, at our program. So those, those are kind of the three things that really catch my attention um, as, as I am, as I'm watching a player. Yeah. And for, you know, and, and for goalies, you know, how can goalies sort of go out and work on that either in their routines or in their training or when they play? Do you think you have any suggestions? I think goaltenders are, 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 are the same. Um, you know, like, are you, so you're asking when um, and how can they work on it? I think it starts in practice to be, to be frank with you. Yeah. If you're c coming in or accepting a shot, you know, out of, off a flow drill where there's really no second opportunity other than with the player that's shooting on you, are you tracking that puck? Um, if it's a two on oh, are you competing when that puck comes across the yeah. slot or the Royal road one more often than not quality goaltenders are at least going to get to that first pass. But if it were to come back or where that rebound would come off of that pat or off that shot, are you now challenging for where the third shot would come? Like yeah. you get scored on in practice, are you challenging and are you putting yourself in a position where you're um, doing it? The right way every time you know competing too right right um and, and not just scrambling and jumping for pucks but you know are you coming across and and improving you know your your slides and and, and your and your pushes so that you're you're square um to to make that next save and and that's where i think some goaltenders you know get away from from that um because we've touched on this already. You want a goaltender that, yeah, has some wow factor can steal a game, but even though you, you want to see that, what ultimately do you want? You want a guy that's going to be consistent, not like throughout the 58 minutes of the game that it, that you need them to be consistent and, and not giving up a weak goal or yeah. not giving up a goal that he failed to compete on or, or track it um, that, that he should have. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally get it. It's that, uh, that compete, that, that, uh, the attention to detail really. And it starts in practice. I agree with that. I'm glad that you sort of brought that up. Um, you know, but pertaining to exposure and as we discussed briefly in the convo, you know, what can goalies do to give themselves a better chance of getting seen by scouts and coaches at the division one level? What are, you know, what are some tournaments you go to or that you can recommend some kids go to, to get more exposure? I think it, it, it uh, it slightly varies from 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 year to year. Uh, to be okay. honest, it might because over the course of time, there's there's you know there's been you know the Beantown Classic out east, the Chowder Cups. You know, yeah. in Toronto there was a prospects tournament for a long time. Yeah, uh, certain uh, camps um, that 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 have come along. Um, you know, I know many schools. We we do it at Cornell where where we offer a prospect camp now, so we have gives us an opportunity not only to see them play, but to get to know them as, 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 as people and as, and uh, as individuals. Um, so we do that um, to get an opportunity to get some insight on, on them. Um, certainly 
whether you're in US or, or Canada, if you have an opportunity to play for um, any of the tryout camps or the particular Team Canada, Team Ontario or yeah. you know, in the US, if you're able to go to the festivals and, and select camps, um, certainly that gives you exposure um, as, as well. Um, the reality of the question that you're asking right now, I go back to it, how we kind of started this is I don't think that every any camp or any tryout or any team, however you want to look at it, is, is, is a waste unless you yeah. show up and you're not ready to give it your very, very, very best and, and give it your right. all um, yeah. because you never know who's going to be watching um, and what they're, they're, they're watching for. You know, I've been tipped off on guys that maybe I haven't actually ended up recruiting um, or, or had come to my program. Um, but I've noticed and, 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 and seen at camps um, and been impressed by them. And, and maybe I didn't have room for them. Like, for instance, we have a guy, Sean Collins, that I coached at Cornell my first year here. He was a captain, went on to play the National Hockey League. And I recruited him while I was at Quinnipiac. It just didn't yeah. fit for what we were looking for at Quinnipiac. He was a heck of a hockey player. And I watched him yeah. in, um, uh, out in Manitoba in the middle of, uh, in, in, in July, you know, yeah. it, it wasn't, it, wow. it, yeah, it was a, a, a random, uh, kind of a random camp. And, uh, I still, I still remember watching him and he's a great player and, and, and he was a great player at, at, at Cornell and, and great kid. Um, and, uh, I just, fortunately, I, I only got a chance to coach him for one year. Yeah. Yeah. I always say that to guys too. Like most of the guys, you know, cause everybody talks about money grabs and, you know, you got to go there and stand out. Cause at the end of the day, whether it's a tournament or whether it's even the regular season, like 95% of guys, and I would go even further to say that less than that, get an opportunity to play at the division one level. Right. So you got to sort of stand out. Uh, I, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I think you talk about, like the money grab or things like that. Like, you, you know, you don't know who's going to be at a certain event. If you're going to go and you're going to give it your absolute all, all you need to, to be seen is by one guy. You don't need to yeah. be seen by all 60 schools, you know, yeah. and or every division three school, you just need to be seen by one, one person. But in order to do that, you have to give it your very all. Um, and if it's a camp, are you willing to go in there and learn? Sometimes it's not always, you know, at our, our camp, it's not always what you do in the scrimmages. It's how are you being coached? Are you, are you coachable? You know, what, what yeah. are you doing some things that we know we can work with, you know, later on as well too. Yeah. And let's, uh, and for contacting purposes, you know, how should people go about maybe, you know, contacting coaches? What should they say? Who should they contact? What should they send them? Um, is that sort of a no-no or, or do you recommend that to sort of help yourself get on their radar? Uh, like what schools you're interested in attending? Yeah, I, I don't think it hurts to, to I, I think if you pulled a significant amount of coaches, you'd get a different answer. For me, I don't, I think it's okay to reach out to, to uh, a particular coach of a program that you're interested in, but as you do it, you know, make it a little bit personal, like know that. Yeah. You know what school you're looking, you know, at, like, I always find it interesting is I get emails quite frequently. Hey, coach Sire, I'm a 2.8. I have a 950 GPA or a 950 SAT. 
um, I would love to, you know, receive a full scholarship to Cornell University. <laughs> when, and, and for those that are listening right now and, and are aware, we work on financial aid, so it's not a scholarship, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not going to get you in, and the 950 is not going to get you in. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're Sidney Crosby, you're not going to get into Cornell. <laughs> the the yeah. admissions, there's no way they're letting that into Cornell. No, no, that, that's not happening. So, so, uh, you know, have an awareness of, of kind of what you're, uh, you know, what you're, uh, what you're looking at and, and, and do a little bit of research on the program and and the person that you're contacting. Um, I think that goes, uh, that goes a long ways. Yeah, definitely. You want to make it even just dropping a couple things like, Hey, I saw you were here. Hey, I saw you guys did this this year. Like, congrats on this. Like, just little things that make it a little more personable go a long way, right? Yeah, because you know then the player themselves has has spent a little bit of time to investigate your your program, um, and it, 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 they're not just sending this particular email out to sixty different Mass sixty emailing. different. Yeah, um, and and they showing a little bit of. Um, self-awareness of what type of player and what type of student they are yeah. as well too. I think that's, that's very important to have, have an awareness of that um, as you target certain schools. But the reality of, of it is Mike, is that as, 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 as coaches, you know, we really, and, and recruiters we're out there a lot. There's not, there's not a lot of surprises. And yeah. we talked about the, the hockey world, is much smaller than the regular world. And it, it, uh, there's, there's not, there's not a ton of surprises. That's for sure. Yeah. Everybody, uh, I, I totally agree. It's a lot smaller. It's, it's crazy how small it is. Actually. I'm uh, after doing all these interviews, I'm realizing that you and Wallach and all my coaches at Avon, like you guys all know each other. It's just like this little story. Oh yeah. (laughs) it was was a surprise for me a big surprise for me honestly yeah yeah well billy maniscalco who worked at avon was uh he he probably helped uh wally and i pay our rent for the first four we used to do clinics and stuff when we weren't making enough money to live and 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 billy would help us out at the rink and we do clinics and i've learned so much for 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 learned so much from him over uh over the years and just a just a great great man too yeah billy man he was uh he was awesome he would help me at the end of practice i'd be like hey let's go down to the other end and he'd do conditioning with me for like three minutes before the while the zamboni was coming out i'd be yelling at the zamboni driver to like stay off the ice because we only got like 50 minutes in prep school for like practice right but uh yeah 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 it's funny how small world but uh for everybody listening yeah like you never really know you know, the relationships that you build and the people that you, you sort of play hard for and you work hard for, it all comes full circle eventually, right? So I think everywhere you go, you always want to, like I said, build those relationships and, and play hard for, for your coaches and the people around you, right? Um, maybe diving a bit into your time at Cornell, um, you know, you've been there for nine years now and, and you've seen plenty of great goalies come through your program, including an old friend of mine, Mitch Gillum from the BCHL, and we played against each other in prep school as well. Yeah. Um, and now the latest Matt uh, Galida, who did awesome the last few years for you guys. But over your time with Big Red and, and the successful goalies you've coached, you know, what are some of the biggest characteristics that they possess that have helped them not just 
get by, but excel at the division one level and allow them to be considered among the best in the country. Yeah. You know, there, you talk about two guys that have completely different, uh, different personalities in, in, <laughs> in Corey and, and, and Maddie. Um, but there's a couple things that, that, uh, really stick out, um, uh, with, with both of them. And if you go back and even watch them in junior hockey, um, or in prep school, um, Maddie played at St. Andrews yeah. is you will see that they have hockey sense. And, uh, you know, I still remember in particular with, with Matt, when we were recruiting them, I watched him in a game, um, in a preseason and, uh, he never quit on a, on a shot even if it was a third or four shot, even if he got beat, he was always trying to stay square to, uh, to the puck. Yeah. And, and he was anticipating those, you know, where the next play was, was going to be at. And, and Gilly had those tendencies uh, uh, it, it, as well too. Um, you know, it, it, it uh, that ability though, to, to be able to anticipate and, uh, and really know where that next shot was coming from. Is, is certainly something that that I think they both they both share. Um, you know, Maddie for for me might be one of the most competitive uh, goaltenders that, that that I've seen uh, when I first got to Cornell. Uh, our our starting goaltender was Andy Isles. Yeah, he probably was the most competitive guy. He was a little bit undersized, so you could probably oh yeah. You, you know, uh, um, appreciate him, but he, him and him and Jeff Lerg were uh, were guys I looked up to. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, just never quit on a puck in practice. It didn't matter. Like he was an animal, and uh, um, uh, you know, and and Gilly, Gilly had something that a lot of goaltenders don't have. He had a great ability to play the puck, like just an uncanny yeah, ability. He did. His first game, he scored a goal. You know. <laughs> he, 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 yeah, yeah. I remember that it went viral all over. Like it was on ESPN and stuff too. I think. Yeah. And, you know, when you talk specifically with Gillian and, and Maddie, they also have an ability to forget, you know, because um, I would put them both in that category. How we talked, they could win you a game one, nothing. They could win it five, four. And if they gave up four tough ones on any given night, um, you know, the next night when they start they're 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 right back at it. And they've forgotten about the, the four goals. They, they've used it to motivate them and make certain adjustments, but they've, they forgot it and realize that, Hey, I'm back in the net. We've got to go win this one, whatever it's going to take. Yeah. Yeah. Having that, uh, as a goal, you got to have a short memory, right? One, one day you're the, you're the man, the next day you're the dog, but at the end of the day, your, your job doesn't change, right? It's an emotional roller coaster, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. But, uh, I think for me, you know, a goalie tra talking about transitioning well to sort of the division one level, um, a big skill of mine, you know, as an undersized goalie. And I think that it didn't really matter, like, as you alluded to of, you know, anticipation and having that hockey IQ and being able to sort of read the play. Um, because at that level, things get so fast and guys, uh, guys fool you so well that you constantly got to kind of be ahead of the game a little bit. You can't be, re it's, um, if you, if you, if you're reacting too much, if you're waiting too much and you, you end up getting burnt, right. Cause guys just move the puck so well, um, pick their spots so well and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I just want to dive in finally into your championships with Cornell. 
three straight ECAC league championships in the last three years. So congrats on those. And, and maybe you can dive into the, the role of your goaltenders uh, and Maddie played in, in helping you accomplish those feats. You know, what was required out of him? Um, was, was he the one playing the last three seasons when you guys won? Uh, yeah, yeah. What was required of him to eventually lead you guys to victory? How important was the goaltending role in winning those championships? Oh, it, it, it's, it's huge. I mean, a good team start from the net. So, I mean, I think that's well documented. Um, but what he has done and, and Gilly, you know, was doing that as well is, is, is you got to have a, a decor in front of them that, 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 that can, you know, eliminate second and third yeah. shots when, when, uh, when provided, but Maddie battles in practice, he, he, he tracks pucks in practice and he does the same in games. And, and so he provides a degree of consistency yeah. and, uh, um, that consistency allows the guys in front of them to play a little bit freer um, sure. because they can make a play. If they make a mistake, they know Maddie's there to, to, uh, to, to, uh, to bail them out. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, but he's, I, I know I probably overused the word consistent, but that's what he is. He, he's consistent yeah. and he's a battler and he's a competitor and, and, and he wants, he wants to win and over, you know, the, the, the three league titles that we've won in a row is he's provided and led our team in terms of that, that, that consistency. And there's been other guys, you know, at other positions that have, have done great things to help us, but he's been consistent um, from start to finish and, and provided a confidence to our, our team um, that have, has allowed our guys to, to play free. Mm-hmm. And for goalies looking to win a championship, you know, what's some advice you can give them come playoff time in order to find ways to overcome the challenges that, that come their way to eventually lead their team to victory? You know, for you, what is, you know, uh, exactly what's required to win in playoffs and how can they work on that throughout the course of their career to, to get that award? I think for me, it was, you know, just in playoffs it's everybody's going to get their chances. Right. And that's why I don't think in, in this day and age, there's a team that's ever won a championship. who doesn't really have a good goaltender, right? He's going to have to make some big saves eventually. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, but in order to make that big save, you have to put yourself in the right spot to make the simple saves all the time. Yeah. And, 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 and to do it the same way, every time, whether it's a two-on-one in practice, whether it's the first game of the year, how are you tracking puck? And you know when, as a goaltender, when you get you get beat on just a great shot, you were in position that, and you would play it the same way again. Yeah. You, you know, you also know when you cheat it, you know, or when you got beat because you didn't anticipate. And if, if you continue to have that mindset of doing it the right way all the time, whatever the scenario is, is that I think when it comes time crunch time playoffs, you know, you're just going to go back to what your habits are. And if your habits are being consistent and being square um, and and, and compact and composed, that's what you're going to rely on. It doesn't matter what the the game is, whether it's a championship game, whether it's an NCAA game or it's a a game in the middle of January, you're going to do it the same, the same way. And uh, um, I think that's absolutely important um at, at, at the goaltending position yeah you're basically you know and I believe in this too of like 
throughout the season we're you know we're playing regular season games to sort of figure out where we sort of stand in the playoffs but you're also working toward those that consistency of and those systems that you develop as a goaltender um so that way like you said like when you get to those championship games all year you've been working on how exactly you're going to stop that two-on-one how exactly you're going to stop that five-on-four you know however you play the pk um whatever it is and then when the time comes you're not really thinking too much right you've already sort of worked on it all year you know what you got to do you just got to go out there and sort of execute when the time comes right absolutely and 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 the only thing that i might add to that mike is that yeah i do think that goaltenders need to be students of the game i sometimes the goaltenders don't dive in maybe the video and and um like team video um i think a lot of guys get you know very individually focused and it's easy to do at the goaltending position um but you alluded to it like what is the other team's power play who who's a threat to shoot the one time or what are their tendencies i think that's very important for a goaltender to know that because it gives them confidence in the system that you just alluded to and the structure that they built throughout the year um but allows them to have a little bit more anticipation if they understand some of the tendencies of the opposing team yeah yeah fuck sort of uh and at that next level, you know, I noticed that when I went to college, like picking up on the top lines, um, I didn't do that so much when I was in junior, I kind of tuned it all out. Yeah. But I think that when you get to that division one level, and even that pro level, and you know, you're, you're facing the OVs of the world, right? Yeah. Um, you sort of got to know what looks they're going to throw you a little bit. So you have that bit of an edge up when the time comes, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Coach Sire, do you have any final advice for my audience that you feel passionate about sharing? I think we've we've already touched on it um, in different different questions and at different times throughout this. But I I will share this is that, you know, follow your dreams with with passion and and deliberate purpose. I mean, um, you don't want to get better before you make the next step. Yeah. That means putting time on your side so that you have an opportunity to practice more and have deliberate practice so that when you do make that step, whether it's from midget to junior, or midget to prep school or prep school to junior, whatever the, the, the jump may be, mm-hmm. is that you, you've prepped yourself, you've prepared yourself for that next step. Um, because I just find so often that players want to make that next step but they haven't researched or they haven't prepped themselves to be you know able to make that that jump and it's it's so important when you make that next jump that you have the qualities not just physical qualities but the mental qualities and and the ability to deal and fight through adversity to um to, to to compete and so um if it's something you truly want to you know, pursue your passion, much like yourself is, is, you know, stay with it, but be deliberate in your practice and understand that the time is your friend and know that your path is likely different than, than the guy sitting beside you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I feel like, uh, you helping me go the path I did really, um, you know, helped, uh, my development. Right. Cause like you said, Everybody wanted to, everybody wants to make that jump to junior at 16. But the fact of the matter is not everybody's ready to make that jump. And it's the same thing, you know, and and I even thought so too, when I was 18, I'm like, man, 
you know, I did so good in prep school. Why does nobody want a, to commit me to division one? Yeah. And, and then I got there and I, at 20 years old and I played North Dakota my first night and I was like, wow, okay. Now I understand why they didn't want me at 18 years old. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, no, it's, it, it, you need to focus on development over anything. You need to be the guy where you go, you need to be playing, you need to be deliberate and, and, you know, sort of growing every single year with that long-term goal in mind, like you said, times on your side, but, um, you know, Ben, thank you for coming on the show, buddy. So awesome to just finally connect on the phone and have, have an opportunity to catch up of, about what's transpired the last 11 years since we met. And, um, just a great opportunity for me to thank you for, for truly changing my life and the trajectory of my whole career. And I know a lot of people today will get a ton of value out of hearing, you know, one of the best coaches in college hockey, get some insight on what it takes to be recruited and what it takes to play at the next level. Um, can you just let my audience know where they can find you or, or your school online? Yeah, well, you can certainly get uh, on our, uh, our, our uh, website uh, to dive into our, our program at uh, uh, cornellbigred.com. Uh, and, uh, um, you know, certainly, uh, as I mentioned, we, we have different camps throughout the summertime that, uh, um, you know, players can, can, can attend, uh, junior and prep school players and even midget players. Um, can come down now this year's a little bit different with the pandemic but yeah but, uh, sure. we get back uh, uh, full steam next year where we're able to to do that um, and uh, you know I'm on Twitter as uh, as as well and and uh, try to do my best to to keep tabs on everybody in in the Twitter world as well what's your Twitter handle I think you got a pretty good following actually yeah yeah it, it's uh it's it's Ben Sire at uh, CU Big Red Hockey Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, go check out Coach Sire online. Uh, he's helped me my journey. And if you guys are looking to play Division One college uh, hockey, you know, this uh, definitely watch back and take some notes. Um, I'm grateful for you coming on the show, man. Maybe if, uh, you know, I'm sure you'll be continuing with your coaching work for some more. And maybe we'll have you back on the show down the line if that's something that interests you. That would be awesome. I, I certainly will. Really enjoyed my time with you here today, Mike. And and uh, as you already alluded to, it was great to kind of reconnect here and and have an opportunity to uh, to chat a little bit today. Yeah. Well, I'm grateful for you coming on, and it's always a pleasure talking um, about some old times. You take care and be safe, and we'll chat soon, man. Awesome. Well, thanks again, and you too, and all the best to you and your family. Take care. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode, guys. If you like what you heard today, make sure to hit that subscribe button as we have tons of amazing guests lined up already to come onto the show in the next few months. Make sure to tune in next week and every Tuesday from now on at 8 a.m. as I have an old friend of mine and mentor, Mike Uzis, on the show. Mike is an absolutely grizzled vet with over 500-plus pro games played now and has an incredibly long record of being a winner at the next level. I looked up to Mike a lot growing up, and his resume over the last 20-plus years playing the game speaks for itself. I know you guys won't be disappointed. Without further ado, here are the giveaway details for the NeuroTracker X subscription we're giving away. To enter the giveaway, if you're an Apple user, simply go to the Apple Podcast app on your phone and leave us a written review and rating. And if you're an Android user, you can also download iTunes onto your computer, search the show, and leave a written review and rating on there as well. Once you leave a review of the podcast, take a screenshot of it and either email it to goaliehacks at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram with your screenshot and your full name. If you guys are also interested in getting started with the product, feel free to hit me up either by email or Instagram direct messages to get more details. 
Get excited, guys. Great things ahead. I hope you enjoyed today's show, and I'll see you next week. Oh, you're willing to risk it all. Risk it all.